Jesus. I was reminded this morning, painfully reminded, that some of my colleagues, people like me who do what I do on Sundays, like to use Father's Day as an opportunity to correct, to rebuke, and to just make dads feel bad. That is not happening here today. Our culture is pretty good at that, dads, making you feel dumb, making you feel inadequate, making the world hate men. None of that today. Um, in fact, uh, my, my hope is that you would just see and embrace that there is a perfect father today. Uh, so happy Father's Day if you're a dad. Um, by the way, there's only been one perfect parent in the entire universe, and every one of his kids except for one is really messed up. That means you. That means me. About 12 years ago, my family was on a, uh, on a mission trip in Africa, and the team that we went with had set up a tour of a game preserve. It was like a safari, but not really a safari. It was a brand new game preserve. And so we got in these little Jeeps with no tops and toured around and saw all these animals. It was really cool um, until they started talking about the elephants. And this was a brand new game preserve, brand new uh, thing going on in this little country called Swaziland. And so our guide told us that they had um, juvenile animals. So all the animals there were young. And what a problem it was to have juvenile young elephants, specifically male elephants who weren't quite yet adults. It was a huge problem. And for a couple of years, these juvenile elephants were um, pretty abusive to the other elephants in the herd. They were really destructive. They would just tear down fences and tear down fences and destroy food supplies. They were, they were just kind of wild. They were, they were antisocial, these juvenile elephants, and they really weren't sure what to do, so they contacted another game preserve, said, hey, we've got these two elephants. They're out of control. They're wild, tearing everything up. We don't know what to do with them. And so this other game preserve said, that's so easy to solve. It's so simple. All you need to do is find an old bull elephant somewhere and stick him in there with those two juvenile elephants. And that bull elephant will teach those young elephants how to live and how to treat the herd and how to protect the herd. And so guess what they did? They went and they found this old, old, old bull elephant. He looked like he was as old as me. He was wrinkly and nasty. And you could just tell he'd been around the block. Uh, and they put him in there with the herd of elephants. And they said almost overnight, but definitely within a few days, they started to notice a difference in the behavior of those juvenile elephants. And all it took for those young male elephants was to be in the presence of this old man, <laughs> this old bull who had been around the block, knew how to behave, knew how to take care of the flock or the herd, knew how to protect um, the, the female elephants in the herd. And in just a few days, the abuse stopped. The antisocial behavior stopped. Um, the destruction stopped, and you just had this healthy herd of elephants. I find that fascinating. I find it amazing that just the presence of an old weathered dude <laughs> changed the lives of those young, inexperienced animals. And if you were here last week, <clears throat> this is really kind of the description, the understanding that ancient Hebrew people had of God. If you would put up that first slide, April, um, what we talked about last week in this series that we're, we're, um, we're in, one more slide, if you would, wouldn't mind. Let's go, that one right there. So we talked about this last week, that the 
English word God comes from an ancient, ancient Hebrew word, L, E-L. And the two letters, E or A and L, were actually ancient, ancient paleo um, Hebrew scripts, and they're just pictures. And so I'm going to ask the same question I asked you guys last week. Main kids, the one on the left, what does it look like? Anybody? It looks like a cow's head. Thank you, Yaya. It's exactly what it is. It's actually an ox head. And it literally means that that pictograph, that picture means strength, strong one. And then you partner it with the other thing that kind of looks like an upside down shepherd's staff, and which means authority, guidance, direction. And so what we understand, you know, we use this generic term God, but ancient Hebrew people saw themselves as yoked to, connected to this other being this person, the strong one, God, because it was a reminder. This word is a reminder of how you taught a young ox how to live and how to work. And the way you did that was you yoked a young ox with an old ox and you stuck them together and the old ox would teach the young ox how to walk, how to work, how to live. And so the ancient Hebrew people thought of God, they thought of themselves as yoked to, stuck to, the strong one, <clears throat> this one who would teach them how to live and how to walk. And that's where we get our, our generic term, God, really is so much bigger. It means the strong one who is tied to us and who is teaching us how to live and how to work and how to walk. And that's their understanding of God. Seems like a good place. I want to stop here. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about some other paleo-Hebrew scripts in just a second. You didn't know you are coming to he uh, history class, but you are. Got to learn a little history to know your present and walk into your future. So that's what we're going to do. But I want to say, first of all, main kids in the house. Main kids. You listening? So glad you're here. I love seeing little children's faces in worship. Um, our, our volunteers are getting the whole summer off to take a break and go, ah, and breathe, and come to worship with big people, right, Miss Darlene? It's great. It's fun. Uh, so we're giving them the whole summer off, so main kids, we are so glad you're here. I promise I will be very, very short, very brief today, because, well, your attention span is probably longer than most of your parents, but I want to I wanna work with you. And Miss Amanda has prizes for you, which is super, super cool. And I want to say hi to everybody on YouTube who's watching this, whether it's on Father's Day today or whenever you're watching this. Thank you for being a part of our YouTube church family. Just remember that church is not a building. You don't go to church, right? Right? <laughs> you don't go to church. You are a church. You are the church. And YouTube guys, you help us remember that, and I appreciate you for joining. If you would, like, subscribe, and share. Man, that helps us. Even if you're sitting in the house, if you ever watch our YouTube channel, if you could like, subscribe, and share, that is really, really helpful to us. Helps us get some analytics that we need. So let's, let's look at some names of God this morning, okay? Um, what we're doing this whole summer series is drilling down and looking deep, deep into the scripture. And if you read an English Bible, which most of you do, uh, maybe a Spanish Bible, what you're going to find is that generically we use these, these two names to describe God. We use God and we use Lord. And sometimes there might be a description behind or in front of one of those two words, but in our English Bibles, we miss a lot of the depth 
and the richness of Scripture, of the ancient, ancient Scripture, because we don't translate the names that God gave to his people specifically. We translate them generally, and so we just have this general name for God and this general generic name, Lord. And I told you last week, it's kind of like, you know, if somebody you loved, if your children walked in the house and said, hey, dude, hey, human, how you doing, human person? Um, nobody likes for people that they love to call them by a generic name. We, we like to have our names used. I do, anyway. I like being called Dad. I love being called Daddy and Papa and Jay. My, my names, they're important to me. By the way, did you know, uh, we learned this morning, this Chantel, Chantel, I always say it wrong, Chantel. <clears throat> you know what her name means? Sings like the moon. What a great name you gave that child. So appropriate, so perfect. Names are important. And the names that God gave, uh, gave us to reveal himself, they reveal his character and they reveal his capabilities. And we need to know those names. And I think your, your faith will grow when you use those names. You will understand God on a different level when you know and use the names that he gave us in scripture. And in the Old Testament, one of the names that God revealed himself uh, with, coincidentally, is Father. Go figure, right? Father. Abba. Father. Let me just show you some scriptures where, uh, where we see this. Isaiah 64, 8. Um, the Isaiah, Isaiah is the prophet, and he is speaking. He says, and yet Adonai, that's another word for God, which we're going to look at later. Adonai, you are our father. We're the clay, you're the potter, and we are all formed by your hand. In the book of Psalms, we get this. Sing praises to Elohim. Talked about that last week. He's the strong one. And to his name, sing loud praises to him who rides the clouds. It's a great picture. His name is Yahweh. Rejoice in his presence. Here's why. He is father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is the strong one, Elohim, whose dwelling is holy. And then one more time, God actually speaking in Jeremiah 31, 9, speaking to the prophet, tears of joy will stream down their faces, and I will lead them home with great care. They will walk beside quiet streams and on smooth paths where they will not stumble, for I am Israel's father. So we see in Scripture this strong one, this creator, the creator of heaven and earth. He calls himself. Father. Now, I want us to learn the word for this because it's important, and we're going to come back to it at the end. So, the word for this, if you go to the next slide, please, April, you are on top of things. Okay, the first letter is the Aleph, it's the oxen head. We've already established that. The second one's not quite so easy to see. But if you could take a drone and fly it over the tent, remember the Hebrew people were nomads at the beginning, they didn't have cities yet when the alphabet was being um, invented, given to them by God, if you could take a drone and fly it over a tent that they would live in, all their tents looked the same. If you could fly the drone over the tent, take the roof off the tent, you're seeing the floor plan of the tent. 
That's the letter B or bait. It means house. That's literally the entrance. The left side is the entrance. The left side is the men's quarter, men's quarters. You turn a circle and up there in the middle, that's the woman's quarters. It's the house. This is the way Hebrew people lived. And the, the picture, the letter B became the representation of house. And so when you put the aleph together with the bait, when you put the ox head, which means strong one, strength, and you put it next to the bait, which means house. By the way, uh, Jeremiah Bethel, always coming to you, uh, Beth El, Bet means house. Bethlehem, that means house of bread. Beth El, that means house of God. When you put Aleph and Bait together, what you get is strength of the house. Strength of the house. And this is the word always used to describe fathers. Strength of the house. Literally, the house cannot stand without the strength of the house. It's referring to the poles that the Hebrew people would use to hold up the house. When Hebrew people would use the name Av, Ava, it literally means this is the person who's holding up the house. The house can't stand without the strength of this person. And when God says, I'm your father, he is saying, I'm the one holding up your house. I am the strength of your house. I am the strength of your lineage. I am the strength of your family. I am the strength of your bloodline. Strength of the house. Dads, if you're a dad this morning, that is a great way to think of yourself as the strength of the house. That house can't stand without your strength. And your strength, we later learn, comes from the Heavenly Father. So you got some Hebrew lessons uh, today. Congratulations. Here's the problem. <clears throat> Jesus. Jesus was a problem because he came along, and in the New Testament, he would refer to God as his own personal father 156 times. Go to the next slide, please, if you don't mind. One more. I'm going to come back to that one. Jesus came and he called this God Yahweh Father. His Father. My Father. I had to be about my Father's work. <laughs> and he said that phrase 156 times. And the religious leaders absolutely hated him for using that phrase. One of the reasons they, they devised this plot to kill Jesus was that he was claiming literally that God, the creator, the strong one, was his dad. They had forgotten. They had overlooked all those Old Testament scriptures where God revealed himself as the father of all those people, as the strength of their house. And here comes a man now claiming to be the son of God and that God is his father. If you can go back to that other slide, April, that's super helpful. Here's what a father does in Hebrew thought, okay? When, when, when they would say, Av, the strength of the house, they just knew, and you kind of know this, that 
There's some things that a father does. The, the strength to the house looks like this. It's, it's giving life to children, like physical life. It's to love children unconditionally. That's the unconditional love. It is to provide for. And most, maybe importantly, is the protection of children. And so the Israelites, they were supposed to think of God as the one who gave them life, as the one who loved them unconditionally, as the only one providing for them, and certainly as the strong one protecting them. And that's how they were supposed to view God. But they forgot. And then Jesus comes along and starts to remind them. And it ultimately got him killed. And I think the reason that the religious leaders hated Jesus so much for using the word father might be the same reason that some of us here today struggle with when we think about the word father. Because if you have a damaged relationship with your earthly father, it can distort your understanding of the heavenly father. And I want to say that again because none of you had perfect fathers. And sometimes, and I think this is what's happening in the life of the, the Israelite Jewish leaders, sometimes if you have a damaged relationship with your earthly father, your understanding of the heavenly father gets distorted. And I know, I know that some of your stories today when you think of the word father, it is not a pleasant memory for some of you. Some of you never knew your dad. If you did, some of you, he was there, but he was not there. And I know some of your stories, dad was the source of pain in your life, and father was the source of shame in some of your families. And that understanding, that damaged relationship can cause you to really miss or distort your understanding of a God who is strong and powerful and wants to lead you and desires to lead you, but he calls himself Father. And sometimes that's a big hurdle to jump across. The, that earthly father has distorted your understanding and view of this heavenly father. And I want you to know that if that's you, that is something you can shake free of today. That distorted understanding, that distorted view of a heavenly father, that is something you can be free of today. It's something you can move past today. None of us had a perfect father, and yet God asks us to call him father. He reveals himself as father to us. And then, one day, Luke chapter 11, check this out. One day, Jesus was in a certain place, and he was praying, as he would often do. And when he was done praying, one of his disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, could you teach us how to pray just like John taught his disciples? And I want you to listen. You know this if you've ever been in church. You know this prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer. But there's an incredible invitation here from Jesus. Jesus says, okay, I'll teach you how to pray. Here's how you should pray. The first two words out of Jesus' mouth. Our Father. When Jesus prayed to God, he did not pray strong one, mighty one. He prayed, Dad. 
And then he said to his disciples, he said to anyone who would follow him, he's not just my dad, he's, what's the word? Our father. Now this, this is the first time this has happened in the life of Jesus. He spent a couple years calling God Father, and it's gotten him in a lot of trouble. And now he's telling those people, those guys that were following him, now it's your turn. You get to call the creator of the universe Father. And this is an incredible, profound invitation to call God Father. It's an invitation. Go to the next slide, please, April. This is an invitation from Jesus to have fellowship with the Father, to have access to the Father, to get guidance from the Father, to get security from the Father, and to have an inheritance from the Father. You know, Father's Day, you know, some of us will cook out, some of us will see our kids, or you'll get a text or a phone call and kind of go about our business. If you got a tie, man, I'm sorry, dads, I'm sorry. But the invitation that Jesus makes here in, in, in this invitation to his disciples and to you it is perhaps the most profound invitation in all of Scripture. Do you understand that? I mean, it's easy to overlook like the Hebrews did. It's easy to just kind of take for granted, yeah, it's Father's Day. Yeah, our Father who art in heaven, all that, whatever. And it's easy to just kind of gloss over how significant that invitation is. That Jesus would give you access to the creator of the universe. That Jesus would give you fellowship to the creator of the universe. That this creator, he, he not only wants to provide for you and protect you and give you security, but he would also give you an inheritance. Now, I don't know who your ancestors are or were, but they ain't got nothing to give you like the Heavenly Father. You ain't going to inherit nothing like he's going to give you. Strength of the house. Strength of the house. Strength of the house. This is what God wants to be for you. The strength of your house. The strength of your future. The strength of your relationships. The strength of your eternity. He offers to be strength of your house. And so the obvious question is, is he the strength of your house or are you trying to keep the house together all by yourself? You don't have to. The creator offers his strength to you as father. Now here's, here's where the invitation gets messy. This invitation from Jesus you get to call God Father. Stop calling him strong one. Stop referring to him in the general term. Just call him Dad. 
that cost him his life. The invitation for you to have access to the Father cost Jesus his life.